Back here on Sports Medicine Weekly, and that proceeds from our show, Sports Medicine Weekly. Go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. To access prior shows, interviews, and valuable resources on sports injury and fitness, please visit our new blog at smwhome.net. That's in sportsmedicineweeklyhome.net or the website sportsmedicineweekly.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at SMWHome. We have a Facebook page as well. It's Chicago's premier sports medicine program only on 670 The Score every Saturday morning. I'm Steve Cashel, Chicago Bulls radio host, joined this week by Dr. Greg Nicholson, a shoulder-elbow sports medicine specialist from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, and uh, subbing this week for our, my usual co-host, Dr. Brian Cole, Dr. Greg also one of the team physicians for the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago White Sox. So Dr. Nicholson, uh, we're going to get into our Ask the Doctor segment. But first, um, I want to talk about one of the uh, local injuries to one of our uh, big-name players out there. Chris Bryant, Cubs third baseman, has been dealing with a left shoulder injury and uh, more of an aggravating injury, correct? Yeah, if you notice, he has been uh, was on the disabled list, uh, had some treatment, came back. Uh, kind of aggravated again. He's back on the disabled list. Uh, this is not his throwing shoulder, which you might, uh, as a third baseman or a position player, catcher, pitcher, you'd think it'd be the that shoulder, but it's his lead shoulder, and he feels like he d- just doesn't have the power. And as you heard throughout the season, his, his power numbers are down a little bit. Um, and I would imagine this is a bursitis. Uh, the bursa, if you think about it, is like saran wrap and olive oil. It's a lubricating structure. The shoulder has the greatest range of motion any joint in the body. And so there's a lot of friction. The bursa's job is to dissipate that friction. But all us humans, because of the unique anatomy of the shoulder, we're going to get some shoulder pain a couple times in our life. Um, he's playing every day, and he's playing uh, uh, at a high level. He's swinging a bat. He's working out. He's throwing. He's moving left or right. Um, he's had a cortisone injection, which is a strong local anti-inflammatory. He's doing all the training that he needs to do, but sometimes you have to shut it down. You know, you have to uh, relative rest. You have to stop doing the activity that got you into trouble in the first place. Uh, He's had a couple of MRIs. Uh, I don't know if the public out there really knows what an MRI is. It's a giant magnet. And what it does is it it aligns the protons in your body to make the image. It's not radiation. So a proton is a hydrogen atom. So H2O, the higher the water content, the higher the signal. So, for example, a normal tendon like a rotator cuff tendon does not have a lot of water content. So on MRI, that's going to be black. The bursa lays on top of that tendon. If that's very inflamed, it's going to have a higher white signal. And so his team physicians can see that, and they can see the zone of inflammation that might be going on uh, within that shoulder. So they have a, a target, if you will, uh, that they're looking at and, and uh, an anatomy, both soft tissue and hard tissue. So, um, can the cortisone uh, kind of uh, allow that bursitis to subside? That's that's the whole reason you do it. The primitive pain fibers in the shoulder—they're not in the bone, and they're not in the rotator cuff tendon. They're actually in the bursa. And when the bursa is inflamed, it gives you inhibition. It makes it very difficult for you to make a quick movement. If you're going to do uh, like you're going to lift something from the floor and you're ready for it, you're probably not going to have a lot of shoulder pain. But if you do something inadvertent like swat at a bee or move quickly, you can have a lot of pain. And let's face it, in baseball, with your that that's his glove side, right? And it's also his lead shoulder. So 
uh, he's struggling with it a little bit, or the, the 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 team would not have shut him down. And they're looking for his his best short term interest, the best mid term interest, and the best long term interest for this athlete. That's what they're most uh, concerned about. So we're talking about Chris Bryant and the left shoulder injury. So, but a fine line, Doctor Nicholson, as far as trying to strengthen it and yet give it rest. Correct. That that's true. Um, like I always say, hey, if you had a rock in your shoe, you may still run, but you're going to run on the side of your foot. So now you're going to start having pain up your leg, and you wonder why. Well, you're using poor mechanics. So with the shoulder, you've got a movable platform that that sits on your shoulder blade. So we substitute. We use a little bit more shoulder blade. Our muscles get a little out of phase. Uh, you're strengthening the rotator cuff, which are the four small muscles that control the shoulder deep down underneath those big guys. You know, the, the pectoralis major and the deltoid and the latissimus, those are huge muscles. So the rotator cuff has a big job, and it, it can become overpowered a little bit from use and overuse. Um, and so it can hit you at any time, but can also go away very quickly. I think uh, this athlete's just struggling a little bit right now, uh, but the, the team's doing the right thing. With Dr. Nicholson here, I'm Steve Cashel at Sports Medicine Weekly talking a little bit about our local injuries, especially the one to uh, Chris Bryant's shoulder. Have you seen this um, typical with with baseball players doing uh, your work with the White Sox? Uh, It's typical for all us human beings. uh, You know, people always ask, well, it's my non-dominant arm. How did I get this? Yeah. Uh, Again, the shoulder has the greatest range of motion any joint in the body. Um, But we see it in youth athletes. We see it in weekend warriors. We see it in professional athletes. Um, key is early recognition, uh, proper treatment, control the inflammation, uh, keep the range of motion and flexibility, strengthen that rotator cuff, keep it in a non-confrontational fashion. And then as you're pain-free, you start adding in more specific uh, activity and strengthening uh, so that athlete feels confident in their ability. Okay. Great stuff. Uh, let's now move to our usual segment here on Sports Medicine Weekly. It's our Ask the Doctor segment. If you want to be included and be part of the show, you can simply go to our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com or smwhome.net, either way. And on our homepage, you will see on the right side, right underneath the picture of Dr. Brian Cole and myself, uh, our Ask the Doctor link. You can submit your question and uh, we will do our best to read them on the air. We've got a couple right here for you, Dr. Nicholson, subbing this week for Dr. Cole. Question number one, uh, this is from a person in the 815 area code saying, I really have bad tennis elbow, and it hurts every time I lift weights. I I got a steroid injection, and I've tried physical therapy. Will it ever get better? Am I doomed to the pain forever? Uh, Tennis elbow is a real bugaboo. It is something that we don't really understand. We call it lateral epicondylitis, and an itis denotes an inflammation. But tennis elbow is actually a, a tendon osis. It's actually a degenerative condition of the tendon that happens over a long period of time. And it, what's interesting is if you ask a whole convention of people, have you ever had tennis elbow, about 90% of them will raise their hand. And if you ask them, are they playing racket sports, Nobody raises their hand. It, it's, it's with repetitive activity, grip and release, and it's on the outside part of the elbow. That area of the tendon uh, gets a little bit of a degenerative focus within the tendon, and it's almost like the princess and the pea. It be- can, can become very, very painful. And if you think about it, when we pick up a briefcase, when we th- pick up a uh, piece of luggage, 
we're always lifting and we look at the back of our hand. Now that's accessing the, the outside part of your elbow. If you pick something up and you're looking at your palm, you'll be using your biceps in the inside part of your elbow so you can kind of offload the lateral side. But the treatment is to try to keep flexibility, and we've talked about this on Sports Medicine Weekly a lot, about hamstring injuries or rotator cuff or whatever. You need compliance or stretchability in that tendon. So there's some stretching programs you can do for tennis elbow. Obviously, uh, a cortisone injection the, the patient had, sometimes that can help. The issue, though, is this is a very stubborn condition. The average length of time for patients to have symptoms is about seven to nine months. Wow. Yeah, and so what happens is as mysteriously as it comes on you, it mysteriously starts to go away. Uh, but anybody, and I mean anybody, can have it. But if this, if you're having that kind of uh, problems, there's also a, uh, a device called a counterforce brace, and you'll see the people wearing the sleeve, Steve, where they have the like the Velcro strap and yep, the little the real pillow tight over thing, the, yeah. yeah. They're trying to fool the tendon into seeing less force. If all of those things have failed and you've had that pain that's affecting your occupation, your recreation, your activities of daily living, and it's been six to nine months, that's where I think you need to see a, an elbow, shoulder elbow, hand elbow specialist that, that knows about tennis elbow and there are some surgical options. Now, that's really, really rare. I probably do one tennis elbow operation a month, okay. maybe 10 a year for all the people we see. Um, but you're not doomed to have pain the rest of your life. But uh, it sounds like this person's really struggling, and they've done all the right things. But tennis elbow is a little bit of a misnomer. It's that lateral-sided elbow pain. It can be very disabling and disheartening. Uh, but again, stretching, time, counterforce bracing, anti-inflammatories. If those aren't working and you've had symptoms for over six months, then I think you probably need to see your, your orthopedic elbow specialist and try to get uh, maybe a higher level of, uh, of activity uh, or, or treatment. Now, sometimes we'll even order an MRI of the elbow uh, to see if there's fiber failure. You can see if the fibers are now torn. If that's the case and there's demonstrable signal within that area, that may be something where you, you'd consider a surgical solution. All right, let me get one more question in here in this segment. Again, it's our Ask the Doctor segment. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Greg Nicholson. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly here on 670 The Score. Again, go to our homepage on the website, sportsmedicineweekly.com, to uh, click on our Ask the Doctor question and link. And uh, here's the next one, Doc. I had a total knee replacement done three weeks ago. My leg and knee are still very swollen. I am in physical therapy and ice and elevate often. However, due to kidney issues, I can't take anti-inflammatories. What else would you suggest? Well, you know, our last question was one of those things, tennis elbow, a very long-winded answer because they're, it, it's a tough condition. Here, uh, we've got a patient who's had a, a fairly large surgery, a knee replacement. It's a very common surgery, but it's not uncommon to have swelling uh, below the knee, what we would call distal into the foot and ankle for up to even six weeks to eight weeks after that surgery. A uh, couple of things. Number one, some anti-embolic hose or the TED hose or the compression hose. That'll keep some of that edema, that dependent edema away. Ice, uh, very good 
because you're trying to get that, you know, as my partner Chuck Bush Joseph says, motion is lotion. And you're trying to get motion back, uh, but you're going to get reactive swelling. Uh, so ice is a very good thing. The, the lack of non-steroidal anti-inflammatories is not that, that big a deal. You can do Tylenol. Uh, you can do other pain medicine that uh, won't affect the kidney. That's up to your, your physician. But I think here the key is edema control, and you can work with your therapy professional. You can make sure you're not having your leg dependent. It's only been three weeks. Uh, it does not sound like they have a deep venous thrombosis. That's a real concern. Uh, and if you're on a blood thinner after total knee replacement or total hip replacement, you have to make sure your levels are right. Now, at three weeks, I think if they're that concerned, I always tell them, call your surgeon. Uh, the other issue is, do you have some electrolyte Im imbalances after taking pain medicine, after having surgery? So your sodium and potassium, and if your electrolytes are a lot of balance, you're going to hold on to some extravascular fluid, and so you're going to have that swelling. So that's something to talk with your primary care physician, and maybe you need uh, an electrolyte panel to see what your sodium and potassium are doing so, and also your uh, your uh, urine function uh, numbers, your BUN, your creatinine, and make sure with this person who has a kidney issue, is everything you know working the way it should. But at three weeks after a total knee replacement, this is not that uncommon. All right, good stuff. That's Dr. Greg Nicholson answering your questions in our Ask the Doctor segment. Again, go to our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com. Go to our homepage underneath the picture of yours truly and Dr. Brian Cole. You will see our Ask the Doctor link where you could submit your question here. And uh, if we like it and it's good, we will read it on the air. Coming up next here on Sports Medicine Weekly, a sports medicine view from an NBA general manager, our own Gar Foreman from the Chicago Bulls, how that uh, sports medicine has changed over the years in the NBA and also what the Bulls are going through between now and training camp, which is only about a month and a half away. Stay with us. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on 670 The Score.